Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Hello and welcome to the Writing Songs and Writing Wrongs podcast. We are here today with Taya Lewis. Taya, how are you doing? I'm very well. Are you, Hannah? I'm, I'm doing very well. It's a nice sunny day here in London. Looks sunny where you are in Sheffield. Very sunny here. I mean, actually, as I've said that, the clouds have sort of come over, but no, it's a really, really nice day. Obviously, we met back in Sheffield quite a few years ago now. Yeah, probably three, four years, maybe. We met, I feel like we met in quite a weird way because we, we immediately did some sort of like co-write songwriting thing. Yeah, I think it was a project. So I was running the like Open Mic Society and it was like a songwriting project. And the idea was that we got like different songwriters and kind of gave people a chance to like try their music out with like a different arrangement and stuff. Um, where where they might normally be like a solo artist, like put them with like another vocalist or other instrumentalist and sort of do a kind of performance together, like a collaboration. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was what it was all about. Yeah, it was it was cool though. Uh, we ended up doing like a performance in Theatre Delhi when it was on the moor, right? The moor. Yeah, in like the old hallway. So I think. Yeah, it was, I think the idea of it was sort of supporting emerging artists. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. And we met another um, another really good um, singer-songwriter, Ginny Logan as well, who um, has just like released some music as well. So yeah, it was, it was really nice because um, I think like as a soloist, that's the kind of thing I've always struggled with is like getting people to, you know, bounce ideas up and kind of jam with and like fully flesh out songs and stuff because you don't always get that chance as a soloist yeah I mean tell me about your first release which is Jamie which I feel like was a long time coming I was always very excited about you finally like putting it out obviously on that you work with other musicians um Uh, and you get lots of different instrumentation into it how was it putting that together and kind of fleshing that out to how you wanted it to be yeah, I mean, so it's kind of, it's just like a long, long kind of slog with recording for me because I've always had like such ambition with my music because I think that the way that I songwrite, you know, it's quite poppy, it's often quite kind of lyrically romantic, quite quite sentimental in a way, but I've always kind of really wanted to make sure that the music has a bit of like um, energy and kind of, it's like uplifting rather than something which sounds like really romantic and kind of like mm. yeah too too far the other way like I, I like the fact that it's got a bit the fact that it's like romantic and empowering and uplifting rather than you know do you yeah. know what I mean it's really difficult to describe but so I've always wanted to kind of lift it above just me and a guitar and the kind of music I've grown up listening to, I've listened to like loads of like folk rock and kind of indie music and um, and also pop music. So I wanted it to feel really full, but it's just, 
basically the process is I've persuaded people I know to kind of play with me over the years. So when I've played live, like picked up um, a brilliant uh, brass player, Emily Compton, who beca became a really close friend. Um, and so always tried to get her to do brass and then kind of um, made really good friends with a brilliant bassist called Harry Poxon and he plays on it and just slowly sort of built a kind of little collective of people who I call upon for a gig here and there and, and I kind of just picked the best ones of those or picked the people I thought would suit it the most and persuaded them to uh, to play on the uh, arrangement. So a lot of the arrangement of Jamie's come from like our live sets and what we've done for that. Um, and I recorded it with the lovely Peter Jenkins of I Set the Sea on Fire, who's a really good friend and great producer. <clears throat> Most of it we did in his like in his like home studio. So the only thing we did in a, an actual kind of recording studio was the drums, um, which is Josh Knight from I Set the Sea on Fire. And yeah, it was the only thing we did in a recording studio. The rest was just in Pete's house so it was good because i could be really really involved in like all the levels and it had been really involved in writing the parts but also let the kind of musicians add little melodies and stuff like as as they would because they're brilliant and yeah it just kind of came together and is a really fun and it's got a really like live feel which is quite nice just because i think it was my first recording and that's actually quite difficult to layer up all those different instruments like to i'm not really really disciplined with like tempo or um and the way that i wanted it to feel i didn't want it to feel like straight to a click or anything so it was actually yeah. quite difficult to get it all to sit together so i think that's why it has a live feel because it does sound a little bit kind of um loose no it's out it sounds very like organic um and your songs are so lyrically storytelling that I feel like it suits it really well because it makes it sound very genuine rather oh, than being like, I get what you mean. I, I can totally see what you mean with your process and how it sounds like it all fits together. But no, it's a great song as well. Very catchy. I, yeah, I like that. I like that song because it sort of was one of the ones that just kind of fell out a little bit. You know, it's sort of, I really needed to say what, what it says at the time. Mm. And um, I uh, and I really wrote it kind of like on location, <laughs> that kind of situation that was happening. And I think it, it sort of like really sort of encapsulates a little, a little story and, a, you know, a true story to me. And I just find that really satisfying in songs that, that it does really like box in a certain, mm. certain kind of time and, and everything and it, so it also holds all of like the memories of, of that kind of period and uh and as you know i think that's that's why i like it really yeah i mean tell me about how you got into songwriting i mean that's kind of a classic example of like the cathartic process of writing about something that's happening and like you needing to write it like how did you get to that point did you start writing young or was it more recent I've just, I've literally like always written poems and lyrics and stuff. Ever since I was like a kid, I'd be like asking if I could stand up in assembly and like read out my poems, which, you know, would normally <clears throat> not necessarily relate to me. They would just be like little mm. stories or silly things about animals or whatever we've been doing in English. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd always write lyrics and like I've got really funny sheets of, 
of lyrics from when I'm like eight. Like <laughs> one's called like Terrible Love. It's just really funny, you know, I, I've just always done it and I've loved, I've always really taken the idea of like Steps and S Club and being in a band. Mm. And um, I actually rang up Stars in Their Eyes to audition like on the phone. Oh my God. The S Club 7. And I, I just didn't grasp the concept at all that like I couldn't be on Stars, Stars in Their Eyes as S Club 7. Like that doesn't work because I'm not seven people. <laughs> I love that. That's incredible. <laughs> So yeah, I've just I've always loved it, and then at about fourteen, I started playing guitar. I was gifted it younger, but I didn't take to it when I first was given it at about nine years old because it hurts your fingers. Mm. So I just didn't carry on. But at fourteen, I just loved singing, and I kind of wanted to learn guitar. Ended up doing loads of Taylor Swift covers in my bedroom. And then slowly got to a stage where I felt like I could write and I had enough kind of in the in the bank to start writing, I suppose. And and it at the time it was it really still comes from a wanting to perform and wanting to sing and just wanting to be authentic and say something which um applies to me I suppose like I think that's one thing that in my lyrics I always have tried to do is I will never say anything just for the sake of it I'll always say something that I mean so I won't ever say anything just because it rhymes Mm. it always has to fit what I'm actually saying and like not necessarily a completely true story to me but just true to that kind of particular uh, song whatever the story might be and I think yeah, that's um, that's kind of carried through um, as I get older, and I do have like more things to write about. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No. No, totally. And yeah, I guess the whole writing songs about experiences is a thing that kind of grows naturally even if you like in the past especially you if you've got the grounding and writing your own poems and then you suddenly start to learn then it just makes sense that you'd write about your own experiences yeah absolutely I think as well like it's it's just the kind of thing I love to listen to like I love mm. listening to lyrics which do tell a story they're really honest like Taylor Swift growing up you know say what you want about the kind of style of music pop whatever you know that's that's fine but but, but lyrically you know she's absolutely amazing like she just mm. is so honest and it's so relatable like everything she said in that album like 15 or fearless sorry um i was just i was 15 at the time and it's all about that kind of age and it just hit it exactly and i think that's just kind of what i try and um try and do really but I mean it's not just Taylor Swift there's another band which I really love called Stornaway and they do exactly the same thing mm. I mean but the style of music is is really different but it it's just so honest it's such small little moments and small little pictures but it just you just emotionally connect to it so well and I think that's what I that's what I go for I just want to be totally honest and totally just specific about what the lyrics are doing really yeah I think that your songs are like quite captivating because with your lyrics as I said before like they're quite like storytelling vibes so 
it draws people into that emotional journey especially like i've seen you play live a fair amount of times but i feel like people really engage with that like they they listen closely to the lyrics and i think that's so nice well that's good i, I think um i've had a bit of a yeah I, I was having a bit of a think about this because i knew obviously we were going to maybe touch upon like songwriting and stuff and i i was thinking that i'm i'm a bit weird on how i songwrite and it's 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 a blessing and a curse because obviously i love the fact that i you know that people are appreciating the storytelling and stuff but sometimes i worry that it's like too all over the place and i think structurally like i don't mm. work verse chorus verse chorus or anything it's kind of like a stream of consciousness because that's what the lyrics end up being mm. but then it's quite difficult sometimes to instill that kind of engagement obviously it's nice to hear that that might be happening through lyrics but then through the kind of melody and the structure it's sometimes a little bit difficult to know whether it is actually what people are expecting i had this really awkward interaction with a producer once mm. and i i was i had approached this producer to see whether i could work with them and record some songs and basically they kind of sat me down and said, look, you know, the songs you've got, they're really nice and they're going to work really nicely if you record them solo, but they don't work with a band. You can't mm. record them with a band because they just don't follow the structure of a pop song. Like They just don't yeah. follow a, a strong enough structure for it to work. So I was like, okay, that seems a little bit, <laughs> a little bit definitive. Like I've, I can hear how it should sound in my mind and I, yeah. I there. But it's um yeah, it's just difficult um to know whether to try and adhere more to like a structure that people are used to hearing, mm -hmm. you know. I don't know whether you find that at all like with writing songs like I, I never think about the structure I just write it um but there is obviously a huge benefit to thinking about structure and making sure that you're hitting the right marks and stuff yeah and that's what producers obviously um contribute a lot of the time yeah I feel like I'm the opposite like I almost like the verse chorus first chorus middle eight chorus chorus is like so instilled in my brain that I struggle not to write that and I love that you kind of have the creative freedom to just be like, okay, this is it. And then you can go back to that and then structure it more if you wanted to. But I find it really hard to not write in structures like that. So I guess, you know, some, some wins, some losses, <laughs> like it works out in the end. Yeah, that's it. It's good. It's finding a good balance. And like, so that, that band that I mentioned before, Stornoway, like have this amazing ability to still adhere to that structure, but also make it completely beautiful and sound mm really different throughout it which is why where my love of like layering up the brass and keys and bass and drums and everything to kind of create that just beautiful just beautiful nice little bits which you have to listen to the song a few times maybe to hear them mm. but i just love that you can go you can go back to music and just hear different bits every time but then also to have the discipline to try and make sure there's enough choruses and make sure there's enough that keeps people coming back to the song in the first place so yeah it's uh it's fun it's really fun though i love playing with the band so much and i really miss that this year i think 
yeah how's Sheffield been with live music because I know it kind of started trickling back a little bit in socially distant shows and that sort of thing did you have a lot up, up in Sheffield yeah there was quite a lot of independent venues doing outdoor gigs especially over summer and Sydney and Matilda which are a brilliant um, venue in the centre had to put on some socially distanced gigs indoors like really look kind of low-key acoustic stuff mostly and it was really nice to see it kind of come back and for um, people to really soak it up again because I think um, before for me at the beginning of the year I was getting a little bit um, a little bit fatigued by the kind of music scene sometimes it is a little bit um difficult but I felt like people were getting really complacent including myself about actually turning up and going Mm. to see live music and because because the music scene here is just so saturated you know there's so many brilliant venues putting on events there's so many great bands a lot of the same lineups you'll see over and over again a lot of the same kind of genre and so I was just I felt, yeah, a little bit lost within it all. So I feel like the break was good and that when it it did come back, people really just were remembering how great it was, you know? And I would hope for the same again when we do come out of the second lockdown or or whenever it's safe to kind of, for things to come back to life, that there is a kind of, it's reinvigorated a little bit because people aren't sort of taking it for granted, if that makes sense. No, totally. I feel like Sheffield's an interesting musical city because it has such a history and I feel like a lot of people associate the music scene in Sheffield with like the Arctic Monkeys and that's about it, especially like our generation. Um, And often lineups do reflect that sort of mentality. So hopefully post, post this again, it can start getting a bit more interesting. I mean, let's talk about Boxy as well. Obviously something you've been working on in Sheffield is kind of trying to level out the playing field for like women non-binary and kind of engage with that and make it a bit more diverse hopefully yeah definitely I think even even um even now you know it's just there's yeah there's just not a really even cue I mean it's definitely growing there's so many good groups in Sheffield that work towards this so Mm. um girl gang and well I've obviously they've all gone out of my head right now but there's so many groups that are doing it in Sheffield so it's not yeah. just it's not just boxy um at the moment my main focus is just to try and try and spread awareness of other things that are happening opportunities yeah. funding opportunities um different different like online learning and all, all sorts of stuff that that's so many brilliant groups like I'm seeing on Instagram and Facebook are doing and at the moment I'm just trying to signpost don't have like a central kind of project to box it at the moment I'm sort of waiting to see what it is that I feel like I need need kind of prioritizing so yeah for lockdown I was really intent on just putting live dates in the calendar within Sheffield that were really prioritizing female non-binary female identifying artists to yeah just like really showcase them and give them a platform but I think at that point I was struggling really struggling to market it and the events that I had done in the past I was like is this the right way to sell it like is it right to say that this is like female artists Uh, you know really um or just put it on as a brilliant 
gig and not necessarily use that as like the the kind of drawing in people is that counterintuitive mm. it's just it's I a difficult one for sure yeah. like especially with like it's the way that it will be like a female fronted band is not a genre is saying oh this is a female gig doing the same sort of thing and like making it kind of a cool token thing that oh we have women wow rather than making it part of the the normal day-to-day absolutely and I think that's the thing that I wanted to break like what Mm. you just said just making it normal that when a venue puts on a gig they don't just book the first three bands they think of they make sure that it's diverse that doesn't just go for gender that also goes for kind of like ethnicity and all that sort of stuff and genre as well Mm. in terms of making sure that it's not just like a you know indie music because that's fine and that's what Sheffield is really good at sometimes but it's also there's, there's more to it than that and you know not just singer songwriters dare I say you know also mm. electronic musicians and you know different stuff I think that's where it needs to happen and I really feel like I want to maybe speak to other artists and venues to see if that we can make that more common practice as a mm. rule across the city um because I think at the moment there's still not that effort being made it's, it's interesting though because when I was working with Sofar in Sheffield um we like I was doing quite a lot of the artist booking but even before me they did not have a single show that didn't have at least one woman on the lineup somewhere and that that wasn't like diverse genre wise and tried to be diverse in all ways but obviously didn't always do that but but having at least one woman was like (laughs) our kind of like quota and it wasn't hard that's the thing like it's really not that hard to find really talented women or like self-identifying women in Sheffield or different genres that aren't just indie rock and so it yeah hopefully hopefully it will change a bit yeah but that's it it's just not that hard and but it's just the fact that people just don't do it but I, I felt that like I've described you know it felt quite complacent across the board also because people weren't making the effort um necessarily to turn up or they didn't know why to turn up to mm-hmm. one not the other and I had an interesting experience where I wanted to put on a gig for Boxy, which I did in June of last year. And I had two really amazing, well, three acts, but two specifically really amazing female singer-songwriters from different cities. And they, you know, they were really quite successful at the time and they're still growing. Um, Chloe Foy and Katie Mack, they're both excellent. Mm. And they're still growing now. And I thought, you know what? These musicians are worth paying a decent amount they've come from a different city they need to be paid properly Mm. and people need to recognize that their tickets to this gig are worth 10 pounds but it was it was so difficult and I ended up losing money on the gig because I felt it was really important and I was really supported by the venue that um that put the gig on yeah um they really loved the the kind of ethos of, of boxing and wanted to support it but you know I just I couldn't shift enough tickets because I was worried and I, I worried that it was because people didn't want to spend £10 on a ticket mm. and that I, I felt at the time and this isn't necessarily true but it was just my impression that people um, you know within our circuit just didn't weren't used to having to pay £10 there's so much free there's so many free gigs in Sheffield and there's so many sort of five to six pound tickets and 
even then you're like, oh, it's five or six pounds too much. And that's just ridiculous when you've got these really talented musicians. And it's like, it's not my job as an individual producer to pay them. Like, if you want to come and watch them, then then you should recognise that they're worth that money. But I just didn't feel very supported by the community. Um, But that may have been through naivety and not good enough marketing. You know, that's not necessarily a reflection of, of people. But I think... Um, that's yeah something to think about like how do we create that respect and that appreciation for brilliant quality um, and diversity like in live gigs like when it does come back yeah and hopefully there's spaces that that can still happen and people aren't afraid of support like because obviously there's financial implications as you said but like post lockdown obviously venues aren't doing as well financially it's a bit more difficult so will people be able to like put their money where their mouth is and like go to these gigs and pay these artists to come and play and support those venues that will definitely need it yeah this is it it's um it's really complicated and that's that's one of the reasons why um i love my job at the moment i'm working for the princess trust and running their business course Mm. and um, we were just having a little chat about it before, but I just, I'd like to mention it because I just think it's so useful. I think so much of what we're talking about touches upon business skills, marketing, selling, branding, man- managing money. All of these things are really, really important. And I just have no concept of them or that I should be aware of them when I'm put on that gig. I don't know why. I mean, I thought, right, this is how much the vending costs and the artist costs, so I'll charge this much for tickets. But that was kind of as far as it went and also like how much I thought they should be worth. But that's not really like sensible business behavior. That's part of it, but it's not all of the things you need to think about. And I just think if we upscale a bit as a as a kind of music scene and stuff on those things, then we can all be more successful um, as individuals and for each other. And, and that spans across any kind of social enterprise project or charity or awareness project that you're raising if you approach it from with those kind of business principles then you will you will be more successful yeah it's not about making money it's about successfully um you know sharing with people what you're doing um but yeah so that's that's my spiel about the princess trust and you said it's free you can access it online, I presume. Yeah, you go onto Facebook and just look up the Princess Trust, and you can just message them, and they'll put you in touch with someone local to you. We run it all over the country, but if in Sheffield as well, like just think more musicians or people, producers, events producers, whoever, like do it because it's so it's so useful. And I wish I'd known it a year ago when I was doing that event. <laughs> but I guess you learn. Next one, you'll do the right thing. You know so much more. Yeah, that's it. That's what we that's what we hope for. And I just think I wanna like share those skills with people because mm. especially amongst like boxy in the community there, like of female artists, you know, we do need to be able to make sure that we are feeling confident to like promote ourselves. I think it's take I've had a bit of a journey with social media this year. I don't know about you. I mean, Hannah, you're brilliant on social media, like oh, thank you really active and it's not in your face at all it's so honest and like you're sharing like music all the time which is amazing 
and you know telling people about your podcast and stuff and, and it's just really well done and I've been on a journey this year because at the beginning of the year I felt so guilty about posting anything on social media mm. like hated I didn't even have Instagram at the beginning of this year like I literally got it because I was like oh I really need to have Instagram if I'm gonna do events and stuff mm. and, and also share my music and I've just been coming around to it as like it's not just a horrible selling you know vacuous thing it's actually really important and it helps you to connect to people and to um you know also see what your friends and family and other artists and things are doing while we can't all mm. actually interact but in real life but it no, can be- I- Go on, go on. No, I was just going to say, I really liked what you did the other day on your story where you posted being like, what was it, like, what are your little, I don't know what you said exactly, but like, what are your little, like, happy things or whatever, or things that make you really happy and what are your pet peeves? And then kind kind of makes, like, writing whatever more of a collaborative thing and that's, like, building your community. I thought that was great. Yeah, definitely. Like, I just, I think, um, this is what I say about like being honest like sometimes I don't know what I want to say or need to say but I want to say something that means something so I was just like you know what I'm going to ask other people to help me um you know think and so that this song relates to to everyone because the kind of message of, of the song I wanted to put together was sort of thinking about encouraging us to kind of feel okay when things are on top of us like when things are just annoying you or getting on top of you or you're in a negative headspace so normal things which like if you for example in the old days Mr. bus when you went on buses anything like that there are some days where you just not you just can't handle that i mean that's how i am like if i'm tired or a bit upset yeah. already those little things those pet peeves can just knock you sideways on those days and i just wanted to kind of restore balance through a song to say you know we all have those days where this goes wrong but then also these nice things happen and yeah that that's my aim I'll probably never write that song now I've said it out loud no it sounds great though and even if you write that song and no one ever hears it at least it's kind of like a process for you to write it and be like cool that's a good mindset yeah I'm just really bad for that like as soon as I've said plans out loud I just won't do them like that's enough for my brain it's like well I've already done it well if anyone's listening uh, (laughs) someone go and check if Taya's written this song (laughs) slide into the DMs (laughs) Um, speaking of pet peeves I thought we could go on to the agony aunt section (laughs) oh brill yeah I love this Um, which, which is a little bit odd but also quite fun um i got a couple of questions that i got sent in i got the same question twice so i think it's a big one at the moment because obviously we're in we're back in lockdown uh but it was variations on how do i get my flatmate housemate to clean and tidy or clean their dishes without being a dick about it or being really confrontational uh yeah this is a good one i mean i'm i haven't had this problem for so many years because i live with people and we've kind of found our synergy we found Mm. our balance um i think there's i mean humor is always a good way of doing it 
So for example, just standing at the door and pretending that you're their mom and telling them off, you know, obviously that's a ridiculous thing to do, but it's like, it's stupid. And it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of being ironic about the fact that you would mm. tell them off for not doing their dishes. Like, excuse me, young man. And, you know, say their full name and just what the dishes, you know, like tell them off like you're the mom and just, just like take the piss a bit. And that, that might, that might help. Um, but also just like, you know, just leveling with them and saying, you know, like it kind of gets on top of me a little bit, like when it's piling up and like, it would be, I'd really appreciate it if like, you know, we can put in, you know, a bit of like a rotor with it or, you know, just like, if you could make sure it's done, that would be really good and just kind of level with them and just be honest. That doesn't need to be confrontational. If they then go, oh, well, I don't really care about that, then then that's their their problem and you, you might have to go back to the drawing board. But I think you've got to maybe trust that mm. we're all adults and we can kind of take it sometimes. I don't know if that helps. No, I think approaching it like with humour is good. I mean, yeah. in my in my second year of university, we lived. I lived in a seven bed house, and we taped out on the side and labelled like where everyone's space was to put their dirty plates. So you could always call out a specific person because you knew whose it was because it was in their spot. I love which kind that. of worked. That's really funny. I think it's um, yeah, it's a balance because it can actually just cause so much stress. But it, it might actually be something that they find stressful too, and they might feel overwhelmed, and that's why they're not doing it. Or they might be being lazy. Mm. So, and either either one, you've obviously got to get to the bottom of, of why it is. And um, and yeah, but also I I find you have to operate how you you are as a person. So I'm very much of the opinion like there's a pile of washing up. I'm going to do it mm. this time. And another person's going to do it another time and not being too nitpicky about who's is who's and being more of a kind of like family communal vibe is better but obviously with the boundaries that it's not always my job to do it mm. like we're all going to do it together and either like that or i'm going to leave every single piece that's yours it's just better to be avoid petty and be the bigger person and then guilt them into doing it <laughs> Yeah, avoid being petty, but guilt them into it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that sounds good. The second question I have is quite broad. I think it's related to kind of relationships, but mm-hmm. it says, do people deserve second chances? Oh, this is a good one to ask me because I'm like benefit of the doubt queen. Yeah. Because I always would love to be given the benefit of the doubt. Um. In this day and age, we're under a lot of pressure from everything. Um, And people are going to have bad days and bad months and bad weeks. And we do have to give people space to have that without punishing them for it completely. But obviously that there needs to be, um, you know, reasonable boundaries and stuff like for example, if the person's behaviour is causing you actual um, distress, actual kind of physical or mental um, harm, then obviously that does need to be addressed. But I, 
I do think is I do think that you know we we're all struggling we all struggle sometimes um it doesn't excuse someone's behavior but it gives you a reason why they haven't done better and maybe you know they could do better but they just don't have the capacity right now and I personally like to operate in that way but that's not always like I say there just has to be like a reasonable boundary of what is okay and what's not okay Mm. um and, and but that is actually subjective to different people so if you know if it came down to kind of like being unfaithful or something like for me it would be totally down to the context and the situation um but yeah I guess cut people a little bit of slack if it's only a few little things yeah at the moment (laughs) yeah I just I just genuinely think that we all need a bit of slack and I think if as long as you do it in like a measured way then people won't take advantage of it Mm. um i'm i don't know like i'm not the kind of person who like lets people walk all over them and i'm also very vocal about what i want sometimes too vocal and i have the opposite problem where i actually might be making someone feel bad when i really don't realize it Mm. because i might be just like more direct than them or more vocal than them um so open communication is really important to make sure that you're not um, making assumptions about how someone's being or why someone's behaved in a certain way. Like you should always try and have a conversation and understand because it might be that you're projecting something onto the behavior that isn't there or yeah. vice versa. No, totally. Communication, I think, is the number one thing in like both these situations. It's like, oh, just talk about it. <laughs> maybe just talk about it yeah. tends to tends to help you know tends it's to hard work. to do though yeah i know it's it's definitely hard but um i yeah i just i'm all about it i love it i love a bit of i'm just love a bit of emotional kind of like psychoanalysis i just there's how i just look at life and look at people i'm always what else is going on if someone's being a prick i'm like what is up with you at the moment what's going on what isn't going your way but that's just how I've been since I was a kid and that's a good way to be <laughs> love it hopefully um, on on that note on on the having good chats note obviously this has been a lovely a lovely chat it's been lovely having you on thank you for coming on and having a chat with me thank you I feel like I've just talked a lot I hope that was what I was supposed to do <laughs> no no it's been great and I think I think you've got a lot of interesting things to say um i think yeah with the music industry like on the wider scale as well like everything we said about sheffield is kind of applicable to everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> um so no it's it's been lovely uh anyone who hasn't listened to Taya's music where's the best place to find you i guess on instagram now hey <laughs> well yeah i'm on instagram now instagram it's Taya lewis music i think it's like Taya underscore lewis but also on spotify there's there's one song so if you want to listen to it it would be great you know so i hear your thoughts hopefully it'll make you feel kind of summery in these long winter months Mm. uh so yeah if you haven't listened to taya have a listen if you if you're in sheffield and you ever see taya on a bill go watch (laughs) recommend (laughs) great live performer um but yeah thank you 
and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Well, you too. Thank you for having me. ¿Buscas trabajo? Únete a un equipo ganador. Swissport está contratando agentes de carga, empleado para recarga de combustible y agentes para manejo de personal de tierra. Swissport ofrece entrenamiento pagado, salario competitivo y mucho más. Están contratando para el Aeropuerto Internacional Doles. Para más información envía un texto con la palabra Swissport al 2200 o visita Swissport.com diagonal careers. Palabra Swissport al 2200 o visita Swissport.com diagonal careers.